How we doing? We're good. We're ready. Yeah. We're ready to rock and roll. We're ready. Chill rock and roll. Chill. Let's go. Fucking go. Yes. Good morning and welcome to the Hard Luck Show. I'm your certified, qualified Westside host, Steve Lucky Luciano. Reporting for duty, sir. And we're at the PYFC, that's Pico Youth Family Center in the city of Santa Monica. It's bright and early and it's a beautiful day. Sure Sitting across from me, I got the El Indio. American Indian, Southern Californian, elegant barbarian, here to fucking make your ears bleed once again. Yeah. Come on! I said, come on! Wake the fuck up! Come on! Come on! Come on! Yeah! The sound is so crispy clear. Highly do two old blue eyes. That's right. Ah, Jaira, Ira, man. Sean Lewis. Certified. Yeah. Hey. Hey. Cocaine. Cocaine. Oh, cocaine. Cocaine. Sean likes the coke. Sean likes the coke. He's got cocaine fever. Look at his crazy face. His lips are numb. Put it on your head. Yeah. Make you last longer. Talking about extraordinary, we have our extraordinary showrunner, oh Mr. Running, Ryan Shorts. Running fucking extraordinary shows. What You're up, putting fellas? it together on a daily oh, basis. Oh, man. Your beef Again. is mine. Yeah. All right. Big Yo. Schwartz, his Yo. beef Yo. is your beef. Where's the beef? We're on the mob shit tonight with this. Yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. Why not? I don't, M-O- need, I don't even M-O-B-B. have to. Yeah. M-O-B-B, baby. Can't get enough. Nah, we can do this every day. Um, you heard it. The way you see this is via our man Ali, our visual. Ali, 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 Baba, Ali, Baba, and the Forty Thieves. Ali, Baba, and the Forty Thieves. Ali, Baba, and the Forty Thieves. Ali, yo, what's good? All right, Ali on the visuals. You already know. Yeah, Man, that's an is. excited dude, bro. All He's right. nobody more excited Fucking than Ali. No one brings the energy. Holy Ali. shit, bro. Any chance that you're going to be doing col- uh, play-by-play commentary for the NFL Super Bowl weekend? I doubt it. <laughs> All right. Sean, this is your guy. Right. What's the intro music for oh, this guy? Shit, man. This crazy guy. Yeah. Uh, I got Now it's time for our wrap-up. Come on, let's give it Who is everything it? we've got. We got my boy James Moreau. Artificial amateurs, oh it all amazing. <laughs> Analytically, I assault, animate things. Broken barriers, bound. And James Moreau is who the fuck is okay, that so guy? I met James back in Boulder, Colorado, I guess. Boulder. And, uh, James is a co founder of Jet Protocol, which is a crypto. Can you tell us what Jet Protocol is? Yeah, I mean, essentially, it's borrowing lending on the, on the blockchain. You know, you, if if you have an asset on you know a blockchain and you want to 
borrow US dollar stable coins against it. That's how borrowing lending works at a super basic level. And, you know, we had a few things on top of it, but like, you know, borrowing and lending has been done on Ethereum. We're doing it on Solana. There's some benefits to that. We can go into it. But yeah, basically borrowing and lending on, on the blockchain. That's what, what we do. What's it called? Jet what? Jet Protocol. Jet Protocol. So that has nothing to do with Jet Magazine, which is an African-American yeah. publication? Not officially, <laughs> but, right. you know. All right. Yeah. Very good. Very good. Um, how did you... So you met him in Boulder? How did you guys meet in Boulder? He's a shut-in. Sean's a okay. shut-in. So how does he meet James Moreau? It was through my wife. And then <laughs> my wife was really into, like, the blog scene and, like, you know. What? Uh, yeah. Back in the day. Was she, she blogging? Was like, well, no, blogging. she was, like, like you know, she, she was she into blogging? advertising and, okay. and marketing okay. and that sort of thing. And then... Uh, James was going out with a, a a nice young lady. I don't know if we should get into that or whatever. <laughs> wait, 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 whatever. What are you? Whatever. What she? What she? So he started smiling, laughing. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. Partner. They hey. were friends, and oh. then I met James through you know like a, a couple's date type thing, like a swinger. Hey, thing? you were banging his cousin or what? Hey, were they? Were you guys swinging? Did you guys show up at houses with inflatable rafts and Vaseline or anything like that? That's not a no. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. He's like, I'm not going to answer that. This is being recorded. All right, good. So you guys met through some kind of... You know what we did do is my first... (laughs) My first... (laughs) Start out that way. Uh, (laughs) My first... What was it? The lechon? What? The lechon? They were roasting the pig on the pit. Oh, Oh, yeah. We went to one of those events where they were like, you know, chopping it up for you. Hell yeah. Fantastic. So you guys met also on a food connection. And he's also into uh, mixed martial arts and stuff like that. Hey, did you guys ever spar? No, we didn't. No, we never did. Who do you think could kick who? Well, he's more into jujitsu than I am. What does that mean? I'm sort of more of a. So you'd want to keep the fight on your feet if you were you. He'd probably take me down. Jujitsu wants to get you down. He's gonna. So he's Tron would try to take my head off. I'm sure of it. So he's. We go to the ground. Big words. So James, the bottom, and then Sean's at the top. I got it. Okay. Sean's a power. Yeah, power top. You're a power bottom. No, he's a power bottom. Power bottom. Oh, you don't want to fuck with the power bottom, bro. Hey, but James is looking real. Good man, what exactly because you guys been doing <laughs> back in the day, he had some weight on him and he dropped. How much weight did you drop? Uh, like 50 pounds. Okay, yeah. how'd you do that, yeah. brother? How you doing? Cocaine, uh, you know, yeah, meth. Uh, no, uh, keto, keto and like kettlebells, like keeping it simple, right? Know? They call that yeah. K squared, keto and kettlebells. That's and ain't right. nothing simple about that. That's no. dedication to take off 50 pounds doing that. And you change, I would imagine. So a lot of people hear that word keto thrown around. Just give us the uh, 15 second keto. Yeah. Elevator pitch. So it's like less than 50 grams of carbs a day. But like all the butter and bacon you want. Yeah, more or less. I mean, like I have my blood lipids checked on a regular basis. So of like, course. And what those I've things nev- do. I've never, had my, I've never had better like cholesterol in my life. Right. And, you know, so it's like it, it works for me. I, I don't think it's for everybody. I don't think anyone like diet and i don't think i'll do it forever but like in terms of like the attempts of like getting weight off yeah this works for me so it's like i think i'll probably go to something a little bit more like mediterranean diet style once i'm down to my goal weight but like and you know what's crazy mm-hmm. i got relatives fat relatives that are mm-hmm. on keto mm-hmm. but they're always on like a keto with a qualifier yeah. 
Like it, like James. Oh, yeah, qualified? look at it. Look, look at it shaking his head. I know somebody will remain nameless, mm-hmm. but she's corpulent, right? What's and she's <laughs> that means fat. She's very, you know, Rubenesque. Yeah, yeah, robust. <laughs> and she is on keto, and she said, "I'm on keto modified." What, what, is, is what is that? Tell the truth about real keto and keto modified, James, please. I mean, listen, I'm, I'm like almost 40 and I've, I've had to like, I've had to be real honest with myself about like my failed attempts at a lot of things in the past. Yeah. And when you try and cut corners, yeah, like you're only cheating yourself. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, you know, if you're like, yo, I like keto, but like, I want to eat pizza. It's like, you're just not on keto. Like, you know, right. you could just go on a restricted calorie diet and just have like a couple slices instead of the whole thing. But right. like, you know, it's just like the same thing with like, you know, like they have like low carb wines and stuff. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, it's just better if you don't, it's just better if you don't drink so much, you know, what right. I mean? like, you know, right. and so stuff like that, it's just kind of like getting, getting to the basics and just sticking to them. And like, I mean, straight up, the pandemic made it a lot. The pandemic has sucked in a lot of ways, but like in a lot of ways, like having all these like layers of life kind of stripped away has like kind of just revealed a lot of opportunity to kind of make things simpler and be consistent because it's like it's tough to have a lot of other shit going on. So, all right, um, before we get into the crypto discussion, I just got one last question because I think this is something people don't understand about like a keto diet mm. because. When you first, at least in my experience, when you first approach a keto diet, you think like, fuck, I could eat all the bacon I want. This is a fucking paradise. But what is really the struggle there? Because I find a lot of people, even though they can eat sausages and steaks and butter, somehow they're... No, no, no. No, no, no. You can't eat that much meat. You're supposed to keep your meat intake actually quite low. So where do you go and what ma- what is the real struggle with keto when people can't handle the keto diet and they're like, I just got to have a cracker. Well, so it's a few things. So like, A, it, it, there's always an adjustment period where your body does not know how to not eat, like how to not convert fuel that's in your stomach and your digestive system into energy. So it's like figuring out how to transition to your body fat and you can feel low energy, but there's like things you can do to mitigate that. Like make sure you take electrolytes and like different types of, um, vitamins that you become deficient in right but on a long-term time scale like one thing that again i didn't know this like i think i was trying to do keto back when i knew sean like no success and like you can't have a lot of meat you can have a lot of fat but you and and vegetables like you're supposed to have a lot like tons of salad and like fat and then like very moderate meat i think i think it's supposed to be like between four to six ounces of meat per meal unless you're like really active, like a, like a bodybuilder, like, you know, going to jujitsu, like working out hard and you got like eight ounces, but like eating a pound of steak in a sitting is actually puts you out of ketosis. And so I think like, it's, it's a very odd way of eating for people. And I just think like, like it's, it's not, it's, it's kind of extreme. It's hard to like operate. It's, it's hard to go out to a restaurant and truly eat keto. And so I think a lot of people just like enjoy the social aspects of eating. They feel insecure about their dietary needs. And they're just like, I'd rather enjoy this moment with these people. And that's okay. But just like, as long as you don't do it every day, it's like, you know, back in the day when I met Sean, like I was like doing a food blog with my ex and we were just like out eating every day, just living decadent, like, you know, like the Romans and shit. Like, right. and we've just, 
you can't you just got to be consistent oh god um, <laughs> and I'm, not, I'm not one to preach about consistency i'm trying to do it you know what right, i mean like, right, right. yeah yeah so having understood your dietary qualifications for talking about cryptocurrency hmm. why don't we now turn to uh so sean your idea for the show this show regarding cryptocurrency is what uh, well, I just wanted him to come on and kind of explain the whole like defi- de- decentralized market to a bunch of gorillas. Okay, so let's talk to the main gorilla, Steve, who's wondering like, wait a minute, is that an insult? What the fuck did he just say? Steve, what is your understanding of what blockchain cryptocurrency actually is? Bitcoin, you know, uh, Ethereum, all that bullshit. I mean, different, my understanding is that these are different forms of currency now and our currency the u.s dollar is actually is so kind of like screwed up in many ways because it's a big line this hey this may very well who knows but it's an alternative and people are getting behind it and i think a lot of people thought it was a joke and it wasn't going to work and it's i mean i don't think it's still not past the acid t- i think we still need to go further but it's it's another it's another currency, man, and people are getting behind it. And the more people get behind it, the more it solidifies and makes it one. And I think there's there's a few. I don't know that all of them because there's a lot of people popping up with this type of currency. Uh, but I don't know how many people fit in that space. But look, at I'm a believer now that more and more when I started seeing crypto machines pop up like ATM machines, I really started taking a second look at things because right. I was skeptical. I didn't grow up in that era. But um, I do. I'm interested in finding out and learning more. Uh, I know that we're talking about cryptocurrency and, and blockchain, but I have to say, and I don't want to go down to, uh, a rabbit hole on NFTs, but I approach the NFT market in a very similar way. Like the NFT market, I'm not completely clear on. I've had people that are in it try and explain it and say to me that they're still not 1,000. You know, like, so it's interesting and I want to talk and I want to know more. I crave to know more about this information. That's what I can tell you. Okay, and uh, Schwartz, uh, the other gorilla in the room, what? uh, Gorilla's in the mist. No, I, (laughs) I, I, I also want to learn more about it. Um, I have a couple friends who have bought and dabbled in Bitcoin and Dogecoin and some of the other things like that. Um, but it, it's fascinating and it is a new, you know, new thing that's coming out and there's people making money on it. So, um, be nice to learn some more. So James, you have a platform where you're actually doing financial transactions and lending what you refer to as stable currency or stable whatever. And I guess that's part of bridging between the digital currency market and then sort of what people consider stable currencies, right? Which you could go down a rabbit hole on whether or not stable currencies are really that stable, but whatever. You've just heard a sous-son. A potpourri, a poo platter, mm-hmm. if you will. A poo platter. Of various approaches or thoughts Water. and first impressions about digital currency. Is this uncommon? What's your experience and, and what do you add to the discussion? So I'll tell you, I, I feel like I have a somewhat relatable, like, yeah, and a bicep out of there. Yeah. <laughs> like, I. Hey! I, sorry, go ahead, <laughs> sir. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, no, it's all good. It's all good. Like, so I 
after Sean and I met, like I actually went to South Korea just to like go teach English and take a sabbatical. And um, I had, hadn't gotten into the space yet. I didn't know anything about it. I'd heard a little bit about like Bitcoin. This is like 2013, 2014. Right. And so at the time I had like uh, a pretty crazy student loan, like a lot of like Gen X's do and Gen, Gen, Gen Y and like, um, so I was just like going overseas to teach English, to pay my bills essentially like, and have a good time. And so I was trying to send money home using the Swift remittance system. I don't know if anybody in the room yeah. has ever sent a wire overseas. Like right. a, it's a remittance, but typically they cost anywhere from $35 or up. It can take five days. It's usually not very quick. And so I filled out a form incorrectly when I was doing mine and my bank account in Korea got shut down. Uh, Cause they just flagged <laughs> me. They flagged me for something. Wow. And so I was sweating because my grandmother co-signed my student loan. And I'm like, I can't have them docking her social security check. You know, my late grandmother, rest right. in peace. Rest like, in peace. She Rest in power. She, you know, I was like, I got to do something. I have to figure out a way to get money back to the United States to pay this bill. And so what I did was I did some research and I realized like, maybe I could do something with crypto. And I just kind of racked my brain and essentially... What I was able to do was I went to a Bitcoin club. It's called the Bitcoin Center in Itaewon, which is like a pretty dope neighborhood in Seoul. And I bought Bitcoin using Korean cash, which is called Won, and had it on a digital wallet, like on my phone, right? And then I had my mom send me like some bill statements back from back home, like that were getting delivered to her house still. And I was able to like use those and my picture of my photo ID to set up a Coinbase account, which is like a, a crypto exchange. Hold on, hold on, hold like, on, hold on. Yeah, let's, yeah. Let's, yep. let's stop right there because I can mm-hmm. already feel the confusion hitting me in the face around the room. Uh-huh. Go ahead. First of all, what is a digital wallet? Yeah. So like with cryptocurrency, you could have like – so actually I will uh, – let me – You'll see the point that I'm getting at in a second, and I will absolutely because I actually have a deep expertise in digital wallets. Right, I want to get into it and explain it. But essentially, the 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 meat of the story is is that I was able to take money, I was able to take Korean cash, buy cryptocurrency, and get it back home through Coinbase by connecting it to my bank. Okay, so I created like a black market remittance system for myself that was cheaper and faster than the regular remittance system. And it was this aha moment to me because, you know, Itaewon is actually like a very like immigrant heavy neighborhood, like all kinds of people from like the Middle East and Africa and stuff like that. And like a lot of the a lot of the vendors out there, like Western Union, are like really extractive of people like the people come like I know people come to America from like their home country, they work hard and they send money home, but they get a huge chunk of money taken out Mm -hmm. every single transaction. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I understood like, this is cool because like, I'm a white guy, I'm a white guy traveling and working overseas, like, you know, privilege as hell. And I still needed to actually, I still found myself in a position of having no control over my money. Mm -hmm. And so that was my aha moment. And so uh, 
essentially like that was my that that's what got me into this space and you know if, that was 2014 and so like you know fast forward a few years um i worked for a major um i worked for a major wallet called metamask and then, i don't know if anybody in the room has used metamask before yeah. but basically it's a wait. wallet on ethereum and okay, what, hold on what hold on hold on wait, kind of, wait wait wait, wait yeah, one yeah. second i just <clears throat> yeah 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 uh, somebody said yeah they used metamask the wallet who was that mm -hmm. Charles, me Who's oh, me? Ali. Okay, you you have a MetaMask wallet or you used it? Yeah, I have one. Okay, thank you. I just wanted cool. to know. All right, cool. That's very cool, <laughs> Ali. I'm just trying to understand what's going on here. Okay, so you right. were working I for- people, I got my people in the room. Right, right. so nice. you were working for right. a MetaMask. Mm -hmm. At what so capacity were you working at MetaMask? So I was doing like community work, community management and technical support. So basically just like helping people that were brand new to the space, figure out how to use a wallet. Got it. And so going back to your question, right? you know, the beauty about cryptocurrency is that you have options about how you manage your money. And there's two terms there's that's important to understand custodial versus non-custodial. If you think about like cust custody hold on like, steve yeah. do you know anything about being in yeah, custody yeah oh yeah okay <laughs> all right go ahead we, we are clear on that concept okay all right cool so custodial wallets are like a bank okay so you actually you are storing your cryptocurrency on somebody else's hardware or software or machines and when you want to withdraw or you want to do something you need to submit a transaction and get approval from somebody that like through a program that manages that on your behalf, similar to a bank, like your money's actually not yours. Like you deposit money, they go lend it out. And then like, if you want to take money out, essentially like they have these levers in the banking system that make that work hold, hold, most hold of the time. Hold on. Okay. Hold on. So mm -hmm. I, I kind of understand that even in the, in the sort of physical world of quote unquote money and banks, it's still a little bit complicated what you're laying out there. But so you're saying, so first and foremost, a wallet though, when you say mm -hmm. wallet, what is the wallet itself actually? Is it? So it's, it's a piece of software that is connected to that cryptocurrency network that can tell you how many crypto, like how many units of cryptocurrency you have. Got and it. it, yeah, and so hold on, hold on, custodial. Hold on, wait, because uh -huh, right. I'm it, listen, I'm not the smartest guy, but I'm also not the dumbest guy. I'm still trying to parse this out. I mean, believe it or not, yeah, this might yeah. be like a um, remedial crypto thing. So, you're saying that <clears throat> a wallet, so how does anybody know that the wallet belongs to you, though? Well, so for a custodial wallet, you sign up like you would for any service. You submit your name, some ID, you know, banking information. You're able to move money to and from your bank. Got it. It's just like signing up for a bank account, really. Okay, so when you sign up for a custodial wallet, meaning one that, um, it, well, so you sign up for this wallet, it would be similar to the process of sign, signing up to bank, but we're talking about the internet or whatever, mobile app, so it would be similar to signing up for, let's say, Venmo, a, a Venmo Cash yeah. App, or Zelle, or even um, there's some similarities in, in a sense to the to what you sign up on and the forms you fill out or the electronic forms to even getting like a Google account. That's you sign up, you give them a username, they know who you are. How do they internally do they assign you a number that's unique to you so that they know when this number shows up 
that, okay, these transactions belong to this person? Yeah, it means you have something called a private. Uh, so on on custodial, it's not exactly like that. And there's different systems of how they manage capital. But with a non-custodial wallet where, you know, actually, I want to make sure I, I answered all your questions about custodial. Go ahead. You actually brought, kind of dovetailed us into the, the non-custodial wallet. So a non-custodial wallet is a piece of software that you can run on your phone or on your computer or on something called a hardware wallet, which I don't have one within arm's reach, but essentially is like a kind of looks like a USB stick. And what it is, is it's software that gives you a public key, which is a string of numbers and letters that is associated programmatically with a private key. And so your public key is sort of like, uh, your mailing address. I guess you wouldn't want to give your mailing address off to too many people, but like, if you think about like, um, you know, if you think about, or maybe like a debit card, like your public, you, you could receive funds. You could share your public key to anybody and receive funds to it, but nobody could ever take funds from your account balance. Okay. So right there, let's just maybe put it in, mm-hmm. a, in an analogy. So in the same way that you could tell somebody, your account number so they can send you money. If you don't give them the password, they can't do anything with it. They can't take anything out. Right. Right. right? That's right. Okay. Keep going, please. Yeah. And so non-custodial wallets, like true non-custodial wallets, you're not asking anybody for permission to move your funds or hold your funds. So it's like, it, it is kind of like a lot more powerful, but there's a lot more risk because if you fuck up and you lose any of the backup data, which you are responsible for backing up, you can lose that access to your crypto forever and nobody could ever help you get it back. All right, so get a load of that. Whoa. Wow. Okay, so check this out. So you got one that's a service where the people you're interacting with are backing up your unique information about your account and your cryptocurrency. And mm-hmm. if you fuck that up, you could probably you know, do some kind of pa- uh, uh, security shit and they can actually tell you, okay, it's this, that's, and you wouldn't lose your money forever. But the problem with that is, is it's slow moving because you got to get permissions to get at your money again. And so there's a slight problem with that. Plus, it's less anonymous if you're fucking you know, selling cocaine and you're trying to get payments. If the NSA wanted to, they could probably figure out who is sending you the money and where it came from. If you went to the other... And that's the non-custodial, right? Well, yeah. The other the other option is non-custodial. I well, mean, I I, so I don't the, actually view the problem with custodial wallets as what you described because, you know, crypto is actually except for like certain cryptocurrencies, like they're not really anonymous. Like it's right. just shown that that the FBI can find you if you're dealing with Bitcoin been, for drugs or anything illicit. Like right. they can find you wicked easy. Right. I've I've yeah. I've they've even got AI. Um, recognizing software that can see patterns in selling and buying and they can with pretty good accuracy identify who that person actually is even if they can't necessarily tether you to the string of numbers that's associated with that wallet so it's not as anonymous as it was blown out to be Hmm. right yeah yeah so what are the biggest problems with this is like if you are if you're flagged for whatever reason as an individual, which, you know, obviously like, again, I, I go back to like being in Korea, like I got flagged cause I filled out a form incorrectly. Like I wasn't doing anything nefarious. I was earning money teaching English, but 
like you could get flagged fairly or unfairly by one of these custodial wallets and just have your funds seized and there's nothing you can do about it. A non-custodial wallet, like and if it's truly non-custodial and there's no back doors, like nobody can do that to you. Right. No, nobody can nobody can take you know, they they nobody can take that away from you. And so I've always worked on the non-custodial side of things, really. Like that's like really where I my 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 work has lied so far. Right. Okay. So so let me ask you because when you're saying that, I don't mean to sound dumb, but so you developed an app software to be able to move money around uh coin-based money. Is that correct? So in reality, like there's a few ways to get cryptocurrency, right? So you could sell goods and services hand to hand like you would with cash. So like, you know, I got some rims I want to show Sean. I tell him like, you know, it's 0.1 Bitcoin. And he could give that to me from his mobile non-custodial wallet to me at my mobile non-custodial wallet. Mm-hmm. And that transaction is between him and I. Like nobody else is an intermediary of that besides the the network of like, the cryptocurrency network we're operating on, which is distributed. Like, you know, and so that that is one way of getting crypto. It's like on. selling. Hold yeah. On. So, Steve, do you understand kind of what he laid out there? I know you understand the basic pieces, but he's saying there's no one in between that exchange. Meaning the IRS ain't going to get in the middle of that exchange if it's well, they don't a know fifty thousand like, dollar. I mean, how, there's no way to know about it. Like if you if you're truly having a, a I don't know, if you truly have like a non-custodial wallet that you only use as a non-custodial wallet, like you're not registering with anybody. So it has so, no, no identity tied to you. So 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 in this network. Right. Which he mm-hmm. said is distributive, which must be a term of art to the crypto world. What does distributive mean? Just lay that out real quick. It's open source software, which open source software just means anybody can run it. Like it's free and open on the internet. Anybody can go to GitHub and download this software and operate on the network as like, you know, on Bitcoin, they're miners on other, on other cryptocurrencies. Like the one I work on, it's it, that they're called, you know, staker, like proof of stake operations. So okay, hold on. anybody can run these net, anybody can run these nodes in a network. Okay, so, so a yeah. node. Okay, so a node essentially is just a couple places where maybe individuals are connecting and crossing, like a knot in a net. Okay, so these are mm-hmm. nodes, and it's not centralized in the sense of there's not one giant institution where all of the lines of communication go into a center hub where there's some Uber. Facility. Like Mabel, like it's not like that. Yeah, exactly. Like, Where some super entity can actually tra- can uh, monitor all the communications that are going between. It's dispersed because everyone has access. It not it's not open source as in open source like a like a like a VD or something. <laughs> it's open source, so everybody can take this and use it however they want. And it's and so that's one of the reasons why it's called distributive because it's distributed way out. There's nobody it's at decentralized, the, yeah, or decentralized, yeah. There's no one at everybody the, can get it, right? There's no there's no big homie at the top that's running the whole thing. Okay, so what he's saying though is in that regard, you could use an app on your phone. 
that has a unique license plate number to you and your crypto, right? You might have 10 bucks in your crypto. Wouldn't be called that, but that's what it is. And then Sean, right, could sell you rims. So he physically gives you or sends you the rims. And then you get Sean's unique license plate number and you send your little 10 bucks to that license plate number. Mm. That's never put into cash where somebody who's a merchant would take the cash and then have to go to the bank to deposit it where the government was going to see deposits coming in and money going out. And we're all aware of the fact that at the 10,000 mark threshold, anybody doing anything, it's got to be reported, right? This is not the case for the crypto. There's no one reporting that. So the IRS isn't going to be able to look at any receipts and double check your personalized tax return to say, wait a minute, Sean made 10 extra bucks this month because he sold rims because his unique license plate doesn't have anything identifying it to Sean's social security number or anything like that. So the government can't, at least at this beginning stage, wouldn't be able to tax or know how much money was exchanged in that transaction to actually tax it or to check your overall income. Now the government, let's say you have your, you know, license plate, your unique license plate for your digital money, right? The government's not going to know how much is in there in your name because they can't link it to you. They can't say, oh, this is Steve's money. All they can maybe say is this is R2D2C3PO's money, but we don't know who that is. So they're not going to be able to say on your personalized tax return when you turn in, I just made minimum wage in 2021. I don't have any extra money. They can't necessarily just based on what's in your crypto account. They can't say, bullshit, you made $2.5 million, motherfucker, and you better pay your taxes. Did I lay that out about right in that regard, uh, Mr. Moreau? You know, I would say that that's mostly accurate. And so, you know, one one clarifying point is yeah. that, you know, uh, if you've Thank watched you. the news last week, you know, you'll see and weeks and prior you'll see that like there are analytical agencies out there which are able to you know even though they're you know not able to necessarily pinpoint one public key to matching an identity uh they can paint a pretty decent picture of any of these networks of like money that's flowing through illicit channels so you name it like you know drugs human trafficking all of these things because these networks are open and transparent. Anybody can access them. They can kind of say like, oh, these specific crypto currencies, like units, are flowing through this one area that tends to have or that we know to have illicit activity. And so they can actually tag those cryptocurrency transactions and those units as illicit and so say if like, you know, say if somebody was like, got a crypto, like got one of those Bitcoins, for example, and didn't know where it came from, just like if you got some cash and you didn't know where the serial number came from, like you don't know if that serial number was documented somewhere, something that went, it was used for. And you don't know if somebody's looking for that serial number, you get it, you bring it to, if you tried to cash that Bitcoin out and you sent it to like, an exchange like Coinbase, 
they would already have that flagged. And the second you send it in, they're going to shut down your account. They're going to seize your crypto and they're probably going to report you to the authorities. So, right. And and yeah. Okay. Hold on. So, so that's, so that lines up with, right. The idea that they probably can figure out if you have a bunch of cryptocurrency coming out of Chiapas, Mexico, they're going to have a pretty good idea who that is and flag it. Then when somebody comes in to retrieve their actual money, at some point, you have to, like a seal, surface. Mm. And when you surface, the coins, the digital shit that you've been fucking with have already been painted. Who do you think that there's the algorithms and the, and the digital security set that up? Or do you think that something like that, the government's already in on it with them? I know what my theory is, but let's talk to Dr. Morell. Go ahead, Mr. Morell. What is your thought? I mean, you can like I can tell you the name of the companies. I mean, like Chainalysis is just like that. They're they're known for doing crypt, like blockchain forensics. Okay, like, hold, on, hold on, hold on a second. Yeah, so, so a whole yeah. new market is created, right? Right off of this, right? And okay. there's going to be a new law created off of that. Real quick, wait, wait, wait. Hold on a second. I want to ask something because there was something in the news recently about this hack that happened. To one of the wallets or one of the the exchanges, Bitfinex right. Exchange, right? And they tra- they tracked down who it actually was that did the hack, and it was some like some couple, right? Yeah, hipster couple, right? Yeah, and she was like a Fucking rapper or hipsters. <laughs> and what did they do? Did they get away with some money? Oh, like millions, billions. like something crazy, almost really? four billion, four, four billion. What? Dollars. Wait, almost, yeah, almost three point five billion motherfucking dollars. And where hits. are they now? At well, Ben and Jerry's, they ben just and... got gaffled. Oh, they caught him. Yeah. yeah. Oh right. shit. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. And on top of that, right? So there's a hack, right? But on top of that, uh, Doctor Moreau isn't like El Salvador's entire country currency in digital currency right, right now. It's recognized as a currency. It's not their entire currency. Right. I mean, and probably, so yeah. And so right now we're hitting this crash, and I've always thought that El Salvador might be a test market for. That's what I thought was going on. Too. Right. Test what do you around. think about that, Doctor Morell? What? Where? Where are we at? There going to be more. Do you? So I don't know enough about El Salvador and specifically Bukele's policy, domestic and international. Like, he's very high profile. He's 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 a cool dude with right backwards baseball hat and all that. But, right. He's you know. a he's a hipster dictator. Right. Right. He's that's the, the I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I don't I'm saying it. I'm him. saying it. Listen, El Salvador. Don't I'm kill Doctor Moreau. This is the Indian. I'm saying yeah. it. He's a hipster fucking dictator. Right. So, but I mean, if you look at if you look at a lot of the countries that operate on the dollar system, who trade like the U.S. dollar is the is the currency of the like it's the reserve currency of the world. So, right. like, when things are traded, it's traded in U.S. dollars, which depending on a, a, a country's local currency's value, like it's usually doesn't work out well in their favor. I mean, they may get access to like goods and services that they wouldn't have otherwise in terms of trade, but their, their debts are pretty huge in us dollars. So like basically because of what you were alluding to earlier, like a, a few folks in the room were alluding to earlier is like the U S dollar with all of the, um, with all the, uh, the the quantitative easing and like you know stimulus has essentially been juiced to the point where like these countries that are indebted to the United States are like 
you're just messing with your currency more, creating worse problems for us. We want we want to experiment with something else. And because Bitcoin is the oldest and largest cryptocurrency and has a lot of properties that make it really tough to mess with from an emission standpoint, because there's a fixed rate of emissions. But there's a you know what the rate of emissions are like. You can't just print more out of thin air beyond what is scheduled to be created through mining. And so a lot of these okay. countries use that as appealing Dang. to try out. But I mean, it's like the earliest days. I mean, right. the earliest of early days to see whether it's going to work and how it's going to work. Okay. So, so before we get going, just to give us a sense of when he says the earliest days, this is nearly like, or analogous to when the, the system that countries were using like Rome and all such before they had minted coins when it was still to a certain extent either we've all agreed that a precious metal is going to represent a certain amount or quote-unquote barter or whatever that is right and then at some point right somebody's like well why don't we just fucking turn it over to money like paper paper fucking things they're almost like bills of exchange it's almost like invoices it's almost like accounts receivables which is how people in the medieval era were basically in italy doing their monetary programs they had these you know you would export but the guy wouldn't pay you in gold because it was hard to protect and insure against so you would just take his iou or bill of receivables use that internally to turn that into something else and it would just get passed around at some point somebody was like let's just fucking have money and then i won't even get into how china invented money way before everyone else i'm not even going to get into that but that is something so where we're at with crypto going from because there was people who were like i can't do shit with paper like real old timers that were like paper I wipe my ass with paper. How right. am I going to fucking... Right. I want gold. Bullshit. Right. Bullshit on you. But then eventually... Is that t- us now? No, kind of. There's like... That, right? There's some people that are like digital. I don't even see right. it. Right. It's right. in the air. I Where is it? it right. I don't understand. And they're like, bullshit on you. Right. I'm putting money under my mattress. Right. Right. What is, what is crypto mining? Can you yeah. tell us a little bit Yeah. About great that? question. Yeah. So, I mean, like in terms of creating more dollars in the United States system, like the Federal Reserve can, you know, issue like like it's just numbers in the Federal Reserve. Like they can just create more. Right. Wait, 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 wait. I'm sorry. Let me just for everyone listening and I put Sean up on this and this is going to your mining question. Let me just hit everyone to something serious. Check out Colin Drum, D-R-U-M-M on YouTube and he will explain what a mint really is and how bankers make money off mints and how the government actually makes money off mints. And he's in. And so, I hear that. yeah. So, so Dr. Moreau is correct. They can just print more money, but the, the common assumption that printing more money automatically causes inflation is bullshit. That's actually not true. Mm-hmm. And it's counter to all the fucking economists, witch doctors that are out there that pump that shit out there. But there is a function and there's a reason why they print and there's a cost that goes into it and there's a way of controlling how the money comes in and out of a country based on what the Fed is doing. These are well-known banking rules. But so going back to Dr. Moreau and talking about so Colin Drum, D-R-U-M-M, amazing, real fucking dude. Going back to it, though. So in the digital, so they don't just print more money in cryptocurrency. How do they actually make 
more money that goes into the system to be exchanged? How is that mining done? Yeah, so with mining, like if you assume there's going to be a distributed system, how do you trust other participants in the system? So it has to be through code that everybody is that is sophisticated to know how it works can verify, right? And so there's rules in the code, especially with Bitcoin, with you know proof of work mining. That's that's what it's called, just proof of work. And I, I can get, I'll get into why it's called that. You know, you know that. Every certain fixed amount of time, there that a new block in the blockchain will be created. And what's in those blocks is just lists of transactions. Sean sent me something. I sent my wife something, you know, like whoever, like transactions are competing based off of the fees that they're paying to the network miners to get included in these blocks. Okay. So if we have, a bunch of transactions being made into a block, all of the network, the decentralized network has to agree that these transactions are true and correct. And so essentially through cryptography and guys, I'm not uh, like in terms of like technical expertise, like I can speak to a high level, like there's a limit to how deep I can get, but is my best explanation about this is like, Everybody has to agree that what is being added to the record, the blockchain, is 100% accurate. And so all of these miners essentially operate in Bitcoin, in the Bitcoin network, the proof of work network. <laughs> they operate these things called ASIC miners. And they're just computers built only to do really hard cryptographic math problems to compete with one another using just gr like brute force how much electricity can be turned in like into computing power right to get yeah okay so let me let me no 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 so i understand what you're saying and let me see if i can uh, kind of rephrase it so it's a little bit because sure we're not cryptographers but the issue is essentially this the digital currency right in order to get an accounting or a balancing quote-unquote of the books and for values to be agreed upon and for transactions to be agreed upon, it's all written in computer code language. But in order to write it in computer code language requires a lot of computing power. You need a bunch of computers to actually write this. And if you think about how big this network would be, right, it's so big then there's so many transactions going on that somebody, right, has to be incentivized to help crunch the numbers and write the code. And so those people are generally called miners, as in you're mining gold that's gonna, or silver that's gonna eventually be minted into a dime that's gonna then be a part of the currency exchange. In this case though, the miners are helping write the records of all the transactions. And those records can never be changed. Once Sean sells you the rims and you give him 10 bucks, forever, so long as there's a computer in existence in the galaxy somewhere, that will always be a part of the record, can never be undone, can never be changed, can never be taken off the books so that Sean's company looks like it's making more money than it really is. But it takes a lot of computing power to get that done. And so these miners, and there's all these, believe me, a whole strategy because yeah. well, think how about do they make money at it 
Hold on, hold on. Yeah, exactly. So he can explain that. I think you earn actual coins as you process, okay? okay. So that's the mining. But the thing is, is each like, new block, so you're, every miner is competing to mine the next block. And if they mine the next block, there's a, an emission, a fixed, there's a, there's a predetermined emission which will be given to whoever mines that block. Right, and so they're paid in the Bitcoin. So think about King Sam and my cousin, right? As soon as he heard that, he thought, gold rush, I'm gonna get my laptop out and I'm gonna start mining and I'm just gonna set it on automate and it's just gonna do that thing and I'm gonna be mining Bitcoin and maybe in like a year, I'll get a full Bitcoin, which is now worth 50 grand. That's like 50 grand being paid. Let's just get it Mm. going. But it's not so simple, right, Dr. Moreau? Well, no, I mean, like I said, the, the ASIC miners are basically purpose-specific computers. Like, they don't do anything else except mine Bitcoin. And you don't buy just one. I mean, I, I'm sure you all have heard about, like, how many, how much electricity in the world is right. used mm-hmm. to mine crypto. And it's like, I think it surpassed like the country of Ireland's total consumption of electricity. Right. So, so, so in order to right set up a mining operation, it's almost the same thing. And they designed it this way that it would cost a real corporate miner to go into a country and actually try to take metal out of the earth. It's that labor energy intensive. So you can't just use your old laptop to mine shit and fucking get rich. You actually have to have computers that are dedicated specifically only to that. And each computer using the electricity causes a heat and all kinds of bullshit. So you wind up having, quote unquote, these massive farms that have to be cooled, powered. You got a power bill that you got to pay for. All this other shit to mine a real fucking Bitcoin and to actually really do it takes a lot of investment and a lot of time to To do it profitably. Right. Right. That's There's all these externalities that you need to consider. Mining. I mean, the the mining the mining sector is very serious, operated by very serious players. There's Big geopolitics money. involved with it. It's, geopolitics. It's, yeah, we could. Oh yeah, I mean, because because yeah. because listen, and we've this is fucking Sean. This this uh, is a great Sean. subject, Sean. This has led us into probably another eight shows. Really, yeah. <laughs> okay, because because one reason Flip is the is world. Ali was like, that's why. NFTs are like bad for the environment, right? Because that's partially right, Ali. Part of it is that the energy suck to properly mine these things. On the one hand, it's like, well, how do we generate the energy? Is that coal burning, oil burning, whatever that is. But also in Africa, all right, let's not fuck around. Let's stop bullshitting. Let's be real. In Africa, there are metals that are precious to computing. And um, there's people in the world, including the United States, that prop up, you know, you heard about blood diamonds, mm-hmm. right? It's the same thing, but for these metals that are used in computers and chips. Yeah, they're taking all the Cadillac converters out of cars for them. <laughs> right, but, they're also, but they're, also, they're also fucking up the Congo, or whatever it's called now, the Democratic Republic of fucking whatever. But they're raping the people and destroying the people and propping up gunmen so our cell phones and our computers and all this other shit have access to blue cobalt and all the other weird fucking bullshit that's required. And there's no way for us to get off of this system and no one's returning all this shit. And so that's part of the geopolitics okay, aspect that it, Dr. Moreau is talking about. Okay. Thank you. Okay. So we've, we, we're at like 916 right now. Yeah. 
I don't even think we've actually started the show, oh, Dr. Morell. You've laid out a lot of stuff. First and foremost, please remind everybody what your business is, the name of it, and how they can actually use your business and where to go to find you. Yeah, so you know, it's it's not really. I mean, I technically I'm incorporated. Jet Protocol Holdings is you know incorporated. We're like a dev shop. We're building a protocol that is free, open source to use for anybody. Mm. Jetprotocol.io. You can read about us. You can use the app. The app is free, um, and it's uh, basically in the world. I don't want to like step too many you know uh tiles ahead here but like basically like we are building a system that anybody can access and we're doing it through a decentralized autonomous organization which which is called a DAO, which is like a you know a headless organization that is a nonprofit. and so we um yeah jetprotocol.io how do you, uh, you make check us out how do you make uh, money, Doctor Moreau, so you can really live the keto lifestyle that you want. How is it that you make money? Well, so I mean, like a common, a common way that like these ventures are funded, like to create these open source protocols, is that investors will come in uh, because a DAO is operated. You know, it's operated as a centralized autonomous organization. There are these things called governance tokens, where these tokens are issued. Uh, for the DAO, like that network specifically. So the Jet DAO will administer this blockchain-based project into the future. So my business, we took investment from investors. We sold them a percentage of the network tokens and they will, like investors will be able to participate in voting and governance within the network. And so that's how we fund operations. That's how we just fund our overhead. We we just have a team of developers, a few marketing people, and you know that's how we pay salaries. That's you know that's how we pay for the costs of like you know, actually building this thing. Right. But eventually, the core business like we're not we don't have a business model. We're built like we're we're being funded to build this open protocol. Somehow yeah. it sounds almost like. I don't really understand how you personally make any money through this based on what you just said. I mean, our, our, our like salaries are funded. Got it. Like, All right. Yeah. So you're building a project like through the investment. Yeah. Yeah. Through the investment. Like we're not, we're not siphoning off anything <laughs> for ourselves from the protocol. Like it's not like fees, like, you know, sh- you know, you guys go and use it a cut of whatever your transactions are just going right back into my pocket. Like I don't, we don't even have access to that. It's right, basically right. those those funds will go into the protocol treasury. That treasury will only sit and be held and managed by the governance committee of the protocol. All right. And so the wow. governance committee is I'm to start it. I'm on it. But I also have like multiple people who aren't even part of the, the core business unit who are also on it. And so eventually, you know, I won't even be. In control, man. Like, that I will just, be able to step away and it'll run on its own. 
that just sounds really confusing, but I kind of understand. Essentially, it's kind of like a nonprofit. You get paid the reasonable salary for somebody in your position to do the work that you're doing in order to get this thing up and running. And once it's up and running, its regular costs will be paid from whatever the fees smite, you know, usage fees. But it's not necessarily like for every every transaction you're getting point zero one percent in your personal pocket. Do I have that about right? That's right. That's okay. about right. Yeah. right. So you can trust Jet Protocol. Fuck. Jesus Christ. What are you doing? Hey, this- hey, th- there's a thing. There's a saying in crypto. It's don't trust, verify. Okay. So anybody, this is open source code. Very good. The governance process is open. So don't take my word for it. Call me on my bullshit if I'm bullshitting you. But yeah. All right. Don't trust. Yeah. All right. So listen, you see this gentleman right here, the scary gentleman who looks very fierce with his arms folded named Ali. He's going to be checking into your bullshit, yep. Dr. Morrell. Yep. You don't want right him now. on your ass, We're bro. Let me tell you. Through the acid test with Ali. When, hey, Dr. Morrell, can we count on you to come back and explain what the fuck a gas fee is in relation to cryptocurrency? Yeah, man. We want you to break down Absolutely. NFTs to us, too. Right. Yeah. I can talk about NFTs as well. Yeah, let's yeah. do an NFT show. We need at least a three-parter with this. Yeah, this, at least. Yeah. Right. We need at least a threesome. I mean, three-parter with this guy. Hey, by the way, I was just hit by my marketing people. They just announced that Coca-Cola fell out as a sponsor and that potentially Jet Protocol might be able to get on the show as a regular sponsor. Wow. So, you know, let awesome. the let Man, the protocol committee and the governance board dynamics know about that opportunity. Right. We might be willing to work with them for a wow. small percentage of each awesome. transaction. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. That's a joke. Anyway, Dr. Moreau, God bless you. You're doing God's work, I think. Oh, really important. Before we leave, I mean, seriously, in Korea, how good was the kimchi? I mean, the food was great. I loved it. Food was like one of my favorite things about the country. Did they out. have Korean barbecue places like we do here, or uh, is that bullshit? No, like they're everywhere, and they're like great. Uh, like I haven't had a Korean barbecue mm. in America as good as there. Mm. Oh, I yeah. can only imagine. You need to come to L.A. Like yeah, go to Park. Yeah, no, I, I hear L.A.'s got the best in the country. Like I, I, everyone told me like when I was living in New York, like oh, go to Midtown, and I, I went and I like. I wasn't blown away by anything, and but I've heard Koreans <laughs> tell me about L.A. Yep, and yeah, I gotta go, so I yeah. will come through and yeah. eat some. Go to parks and Cape Hey, where? Should, hey, where do we go in Boulder for anything good to eat? You're in Colorado. No, uh, he's not. He's not anymore. Here. I'm on the East Coast. I'm in. I'm in the. I'm in the. I'm in the Berkshires. I'm in Western Mass. Okay, where do you go in Western Mass for a really good burger? Don't fuck around. I mean, go to a farm, deal with a farmer, get some yeah. ground beef, and cook it yourself. How far is Rochester? Like how far man. is Worcester from you? Oh, Worcester. where they make that sauce? I'm from Worcester. I'm born and raised. Yeah, oh, really? Oh. Hey, we opened a born cookies dispensary out there. Did you? Cookies dispensary opened up out there, right? Oh, we play. Yeah, Timmy yeah, yeah. is out from out there, man. Yeah. What? Your buddy, what? I'm from Worcester, yeah. Oh, no, is that like, right? I, my, I was born and raised in the city, yeah. I my, didn't know about it. And then, uh, you know, we, we obviously we opened up that store. And, and uh, yeah, so whenever I hear Mass and a little part that I don't know, I kind of throw it out there. That's funny. You're from there. Okay, That's great. That's cool. No, I, I usually, when people bring up Worcester, they're usually like checking me. They're like, you're from there? Hmm? Right. Like, it was a little suspect. Now, know, is like Worcestershire sauce from Worcestershire? Right. Isn't that where they make the sauce? Is that where Worcestershire sauce is from, or that has no connection, or you don't know? I think it's from the UK, Worcestershire. Uh, hey, uh, have you ever, and let's be right. real, right. have you ever drank Worcestershire sauce straight? <laughs> have you ever? 
Not on purpose, no. I have. I actually have walked oh, into Hey, a, partner, I thank have. you for coming on our show, <laughs> yeah, man. And I want you to come on, on again, and, and I want yeah, to further. Fun. Yeah, this is good stuff, brother. Jet protocol. Jet protocol. If you don't want to be broke in the future, fucking talk to Dr. Moreau and Jet Protocol. And if you have any problems <laughs> with that. I can't guarantee you're going to make any money, but like this is like a, this hey, is a movement. Hey, Dr. This Moreau, listen, yeah, you know no, about nah, crypto. Right about you know that. about Korea. Let me handle the fucking marketing for you, brother. Yeah. That don't, and you're going to be protected because it's a Vondo Bowen. LLC. LLP. LLP. <laughs> right. Listen, that's right. So, listen, you need any uh, the court. defense for civil, mm-mm-mm. just call me up. I'm a lawyer. I know how to protect guys that are fucking... Mm-hmm. Braids in court. Right. We don't fucking... Mm-mm-mm. That's right. All right. Listen, Dr. Moreau, you should have your own podcast. Goddamn. Audio right. gold. Movemental.media, Sean O. Blue Eyes. Audio gold. He's the crypto podcast yep. for this guy, right? He's, He's mining. Audio mining. Oh, he's mining gold, all mining right. Gold, all right. Oh, yeah, deep in his backyard. On his hands and knees. Oh, he's mining, he's mining gold deep yep. in his little. Right? You found he's some. He's mining gold all there? sorts of people's he's, business. He stuck his, his stuck in his thumb and pulled out a plum. <laughs> <laughs> Schwartz. Hey, hardluckshow.com. Man. Right, Schwartz, crypto weed man. Right. Shout out to Jesus, our uh, Instagram Jesus. Instagram Jesus. Ali, check out Cosmic Demise. Go to Cosmic Demise. Check out the new spring collection. Is that where we at? Yeah. All right. Ali, are you okay, bro? You look a little down, man. What did he say? What? What happened? You look sad, brother. You do honestly, are you feeling a little bit down? Okay. Okay. Wow. All right. Shh. All right. Hey, like we do about this time. Right. Super, oh, Superman hardware. Cookies. Cookies. Burner. Vibes. Oscar and Alex at the PYFC, Pico Youth Family Center. Esteban Oriel. Esteban Oriel and Soul Assassins. And Enzo's Pizzeria. Oh, Pulpo. And Pulpo, Pulpo Beard Oil. Which is good Don't for remember. your pubic zone, too. Don't yes. fuck it up. Yes. All right. City of Santa Monica, we love you. Yeah. Adios. Hasta la vista. Oh, John Ritter. John Ritter. Thank you, John Ritter. Yeah. For <laughs> At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.